Well, tomorrow, um, as a nation, we are going to be celebrating the 246th birthday of our country, uh, 246 years of existing as an independent nation. And there's a lot of things that go into that. There's a lot of things that go into that celebration and the freedoms that it brings. Independence and freedoms that were gained first through the efforts of valiant patriots who fought and gave their lives, and often in a ragtag kind of way, to be able to protect and ensure the freedoms that they were experiencing and that were being clamped down on from British tyranny. Freedom and independence that was then defined and framed by statesmen through the formation of the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, and the Constitution of the United States of America. Freedoms and independence that has since been fought for repeatedly on thousands of battlefields at home and abroad throughout our short but rich history and fought at the priceless expense of the lives of countless men and women. Today, as we gather together in worship to exalt God's name and praise him for all of the rich blessings he has so graciously poured into our hearts and our lives as a nation and as followers of Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to open up your heart to his truth about that. And I want to read a passage for you from 2 Samuel, verses 20, uh, chapter 23, verses 8 to 23. It, it's a passage that gives an account. The header that I have in my Bible says, David's mighty men. But it gives an account of warriors who fought with and alongside of David to lead Israel to stunning victories on the battlefield and ultimately help them gain their independence from surrounding countries. And as you read this and as you listen and as you go through, I'd like to ask you to be thinking about what this means for you and about some of the things that, that I believe and trust and hope that God uh, gives to you as a result of not only celebrating and being cognitively aware of our independence as a country, but as a follower of Jesus. We'll get back to that um, at the end. So listen to what it is that God is saying through his word. These are the names of David's mighty men. Josheb Bashibeth, a Tekamenonite, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men who he killed in one encounter. Next to him was Eliezer, son of Dodai, the Ahohite. As one of the three mighty men, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pas Damim for battle. Then the men of Israelite retreated, but he stood his ground and he struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eliezer, but only to strip the dead. 
Next to him was Shema, son of Agi, the Hararite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shema took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it, and he struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. During harvest time, three of the 30 men came down to David at a cave of Adullam, where a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. At that time, David was in a stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the battle of Bethlehem. So the three mighty men broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, O Lord, to do this. Is this not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? And David would not drink it. Such were the exploits of the three mighty men. Abishai, the brother of David, son of Zariah, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 300 men whom he killed, and he became as famous as the three. Was he not held in greater honor than the three? He became their commander, even though he was not included among them. Benaniah, son of Jehoiada, was a valiant fighter from Kabzeel who performed great exploits. He struck down two of the Moab's best men. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And he struck down a huge Egyptian. Although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Benaniah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benaniah, son of Jehoiada. He too was as famous as the three mighty men, and he was held in greater honor than any of the thirty. But he was not included among the three, and David put him in charge of his bodyguard. This is... The Word of God, when its truth be rooted in our heart and lived in our lives. Hmm. There's not a time that I don't read Scripture and I try to get there. And so I wondered perhaps if that was true for you and if, if as you were reading these, you could envision, you could envision these accounts. Isn't it pretty phenomenal? You know, when you can stop and you can engage yourself in Scripture, it, it leads to truth. It just makes it come alive for you. And I, I hope that that's true and you could do that even though there's some things that are, are hard to envision. But I, I think about what took place on the battlefield in the accounts that we read. It, it just is incredibly profound and, and just something that is amazing to think about. I think about the first account, Josheb Bathshebeth, and that he raised his spear against 800, 800 different soldiers and killed them all in one battle. Think about that for a minute. Can you, can you see that happening? And this is not a situation, nor are any of these, of where we're talking about modern warfare, of course, where there's things like machine guns and hand grenades and missiles. This is hand-to-hand -hand combat. And so I envisioned that and, and him fighting and what that took and what that meant. Think about Eliezer taking a stand. And what did we read in, in, in that 
verses there, there verse, verse 9 through verse 10, that, that, that everybody else fled, all the soldiers fled, and he stood there by himself, but he stood his ground, and he fought. Incredible. The only time it says the troops returned was to strip the dead. And then, then Shema, same thing. Philistines there. There's other accounts of this battle. And, and he stood with David and they fought. Fought by themselves. Gained a victory. The last two, verses 18 and 19. Abishai, same thing again, 300, greatly outnumbered, fought, battled. Benaniah, best soldiers from Moab. An Egyptian, think of Goliath, same thing. Huge warrior, champion. He goes out and fights him, nobody else would. He's able to, to snatch his spear and kill him with his own spear. Yeah, I, I think about that, and I'm, I'm just watching those things unfold in my head, and I think about what it took, what it took to be able to have that happen. I, I, one of the things that I think about when you think about great physical acts and victories in, in warfare and on the battlefield, I, I think about just the, 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 the physicality of it, the strength the conditioning, I mean, one versus 800, one versus 300, continually fighting, battling. I think of the mental fortitude, the focus that it took. One, one false move, one slip up, and you're, you're toast. You're dead. I think of all of the things that are going on in the heart, the, the ferociousness, the tenacity, the bravery, the courage, of course, that it took to stand their ground and to fight in the face of tremendous odds. Incredible. Incredible. They set themselves apart because of what it is that they did. And granted, there were others. If you were to read verses 24 to 39, um, 37 in all, it says, and then so many more. Lots of other accounts. Soldiers who fought for the nation of Israel on the battlefield. Incredible to think about, isn't it? Well, we've had those same accounts play out in the history of the United States. There have been mighty men. There have been men and women who have stood their ground on the battlefield and done heroic things. Countless stories of incredible acts of bravery. American war heroes. These are things that perhaps don't necessarily come to our mind on 4th of July or on other holidays about what it took to gain the independence and what it meant and how it played out 
throughout the various wars and the things that people experienced so that we could sit here today and enjoy the things that you have already enjoyed and that you will enjoy and that you'll continue to enjoy. I want to read just three stories for you, that of Michael Daly, Maurice Britt, and Keith Ware. Just three of millions. Listen to their stories and just envision it. Michael Daly. Early in the morning of April 18, 1945, Michael Daly led his company through a shell-battered, sniper-infested wreckage in Nuremberg, Germany. This is World War II. When blistering machine gun fire caught his unit in an exposed position, he ordered his men to take cover, and he dashed forward alone. As bullets whined around him, he shot a three-man gun crew with his carbine. That's a handgun, a machine gun. Continuing his advance at the head of his company, he located an enemy patrol armed with rocket launchers, which threatened them. He again went forward alone, secured a vantage point, and opened fire on the Germans. Immediately, he became their target, and they gave him concentrated machine gun, pistol, and rocket fire, which blasted all the rubble around him. But he continued to shoot at the patrol until he had killed all six of them. Continuing boldly far in front of his company, he entered a park where his men advanced, and there was a a German machine gun that opened up on them without warning. Again, with his carbine, he killed the gunner, and then from a completely exposed position, directed machine gun fire until the remainder of the crew were all killed. In a final battle, he wiped out a third machine gun uh, placement with rifle fire at the range of 10 yards. By fearlessly engaging in four single-handled firefights with a desperately powerfully armed enemy, Lieutenant Daly voluntarily took major risk himself and protected his men at all cost and every opportunity. And he killed 15 Germans along the way, silenced three enemy machine guns, and wiped out an entire patrol. His heroism during this lone, bitter struggle was an inspiration to all of the troops that then entered into Nuremberg. Maurice Britt. He was a platoon leader for the 30th Infantry in World War II. He had action in North Africa and primarily in Italy. He led his troops on a number of advances and invasions to secure numerous targets and positions. Displaying incredible courage, he always led the way. He endured multiple injuries, was awarded four Purple Hearts, all to allow his own troops to advance. Once to take enemy machine gun fire away from his platoon, he stood up and did jumping jacks so they would fire at him. His location was exposed and it was wiped out. He's known as well for leading his troops on a 34-mile march, one of the longest in hand-to-hand combat and military advances to surprise an enemy to break through it to allow the forces to advance. Keith Ware. On December 26, his battalion was attacking a strongly held German position on a hill in France when one of his companies stalled in the face of heavy enemy fire. He moved alone more than 150 yards out in front of the American line and for two hours engaged German positions, purposely drawing their fire so he could pinpoint their position. 
Leading his company, he grabbed uh, an automatic rifle and advanced against them. He's accompanied by two offers, nine enlisted men, and a single tank. And he personally assaulted four machine gun positions and destroyed them by directing their fire. Wounded, he became a commander uh, of his troops and finally occupied the German position. He was a lifelong military man. He served in Vietnam. And on September 13, 1968, in the Battle of Lac Ninh, while engaging a reinforced North Vietnamese re regiment, um, he got into a, a helicopter that was an, uh, had, uh, despite anti-aircraft weapons that were shooting at him, he got in a helicopter, flew at low altitude uh, that allowed him to pinpoint enemy positions and coordinate the battle. Unfortunately, um, it meant taking a lot of gunfire and his helicopter was eventually hit and crashed, killing all men aboard. Incredible stories of American heroes. Just three stories. It's difficult for us to imagine, isn't it? what people on the battlefield saw, what they experienced, what they endured. Their efforts, um, the ones of the men that we read, and of course, I want you to think about this, um, every soldier who put a boot on a battlefield and everyone who was willing thought process and the things that they experienced. You know, the wars that have been fought in the United States of America have all been scrutinized. Some of them were fought for good reasons, some perhaps not. But one of the things that I don't think that we have the right to scrutinize or to question is the honor and the respect that our veterans deserve. They didn't determine why they went to battle. They just did. They did so out of obedience and out of duty to protect our country and the freedoms that we enjoy. So I want to take just a moment and express gratitude to them. If you're um, someone who has served or is serving as a veteran, would you just stand right where you're at? Have any veterans today? I see some standing up. Yeah. And you know, it doesn't matter again if you served in active duty or if you didn't. Um, you served. And when you enlisted, you, you knew what that meant. There was an opportunity, if you didn't see active duty, that you might. And you were willing to take that risk. Some of you perhaps did. I haven't had the privilege and opportunity to talk to all of you. And I know that that's a difficult thing for people who are veterans and saw active duty to do. But I do know this. I'm thankful for you, and I'm thankful for your efforts. I'm thankful for uh, your willingness to serve our country for the things, again, that we're enjoying today. Uh, you are a blessing 
And I want to express my appreciation to all of you, and I want to invite all of you to join with me. Will you praise God for each one of these veterans? Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, that is a, a minor, minor thing. Um, you know, I, I've had the privilege of talking to a, a few veterans who've been willing to um, pull some things out of their heart that were really painful, and it's just incredible, uh, the stories. So again, I just can't imagine that. I've tried to envision it. But um, the fact that, again, anybody was willing to do so um, is, is an incredible, wonderful thing and an act of heroism all in and of itself. And we're incredibly thankful, again, because we're able to celebrate our independence as a nation, 246 years of it. Surely, um, as you read this passage and as you thought about and heard the stories, and just saw um, those who stood. You, you can't help but separate the gaining of independence from physical activity, right? That it took soldiers, and, and that it took people, and it took military planning and strategy. But again, I mentioned short-sightedness earlier. Um, there's something that is at work that is far deeper, far greater than the physical part of soldiers engaging in cam combat on a battlefield physically. It is that of spiritual warfare, of the battles that are taking place in the heavenly realms against satanic forces. I don't know what you believe about that. Real and true, Scripture speaks about it all of the time. And all you have to do is pause and think about what's going on in our world, in our country, and in your own lives to understand and know that there is a battle that is being waged. One of the things that I didn't point out, but that is true, and so this account we might think about is purely physical endeavor, right? But did you notice there's two, two times that something is mentioned in that passage that I read? I don't know if you caught it or not. I want to pull it to your attention right now. So after speaking about Eliezer, and the great victory that took place. This is what we read right at the end of verse 10. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. Go down to verse 12 at the end, speaking about Shema and how he defended of that field of lentils. What do you read at the end? And the Lord brought about a great victory. In our short-sightedness sometimes, we think the accomplishments and the successes that we have as human beings are by our own endeavors. When we think about Fourth of July, and we think about all of it took, and certainly um, not to discount Again, the valiant and heroic efforts of millions and millions of men and women on the battlefield. But we can't forget that it's God who brought the victory. It's God who's fighting Satan for our freedoms. Each and every one of them 
that is such a deep thing that, that I think about when I think about our world and, and our country today. And I think about all that's going on. I think about all of the battles that are taking place in our nation spiritually. I think about the way that, that it seems bit by bit that there's loss, that there is enslavement to sin. The true freedom is only found in one place. Our, our founding fathers knew that. That's what they framed the Constitution and all the other documents, the Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights on Christian values, godly values. It's what has made us a, a great nation and those things are under attack. Satan is really good at what he does. There's been spiritual battles going on since the beginning of time. But praise the Lord, he has brought victory, just as he did in the word that we read to, for the nation of Israel. He has done so for various people throughout the years and through the the heart and the soul of various individuals. Again, I want to read just three stories, people who were Christian martyrs. Maybe you've heard of them, maybe you haven't. The first is a guy named Oscar Romero, and he was a, a Catholic priest that was in El Salvador during the time of their civil war. And Oscar Romero stood up for the values of God, his truth, his word, and he spoke out against all of the injustices that he saw the El Salvadorian government doing, the oppression and the brutality. And he also spoke out against the left-wing guerrillas that were seeking to overthrow the country. He spoke out against both sides. And he spoke out profoundly and adamantly, despite being warned numerous times not to. In 1980, right in the middle of worship, so envision it as it takes place right now. They still don't know who did it, if it was the army or it was the guerrillas. They came in, and while he was celebrating Mass, having church, they shot him and killed him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a, a pastor in World War II in Germany. He was one of the only ones that spoke out against Nazism and didn't capitulate. He was very public about his opposition to Hitler and the Third Reich. It was arranged for him to leave Germany two weeks, as it would be, before the war broke out because he knew at some point something was going to happen to him and his family um, and he might even be conscripted to serve in the army and do things that he was opposed against. So he went to the United States. He was only there two weeks because he couldn't take it. He said, I got to go back. I have to fight for what I believe in. And so he did. And he continued to speak out. He ended up being imprisoned and just... Um, 
just at the end of the war. He was in a prison for just shy of two years, and just before uh, the German forces started to collapse and the Russians started to advance, um, he was hung. You know Martin Luther King, civil rights leader who was assassinated on April 4th, 1968 in Memphis, Tennessee. You know him perhaps more as a civil rights leader, somebody who spoke and battled and fought for freedom, equality regardless of skin color. I don't know if I can say this about civil rights leaders today, at least not all of them, but Martin Luther King was also um, a sincere pastor, somebody who preached the gospel. We don't hear too much about that. But here's a quote from him, something that he shared as people were speaking about some of the successes and the things that he had done as a civil rights leader. This is what he said in response to it. Before I was a civil rights leader, I was a preacher of the gospel. That's my first calling, and it still remains my greatest commitment. You know, that actually all I do in civil rights is done because I consider it a part of my ministry. I have no other ambitions in life but to achieve excellence in the name of Jesus. I don't plan to run for a political office. I don't plan to do anything but remain a preacher. What I'm doing in the struggle, along with many others, grows out of my feelings that a preacher must be concerned about the whole person the sake of Jesus. Martin Luther King was assassinated. Spiritual battlefield. You know, I think about other stories that I've heard, people that I've known that are going toe-to-toe with Satan that are praying like crazy. People that I know that are part of this body of Jesus Christ that are praying for everybody here. Our our country, our nation is under attack. You could say from various peoples to be sure, roots, organizations, but it's under attack from Satan. Not some little guy in a red suit that's humorous, the one who seeks to destroy your very life. Praise God for spiritual warriors. Praise God for people who are standing in the gap, praying like crazy, interceding, serving, working, doing what they can to help each of us become who it is that God desires us to be. I praise the Lord for people that are standing up for truth. In my devotions this past week, um, I'm in numbers right now. I just read through the Bible.
read about how um, Satan was successful in battles that he took on the nation of Israel. And if you know the history, maybe you know how he did it. He didn't necessarily use outside forces. He used internal forces. He got into the hearts of leaders and of people. Leaders like Aaron himself and Miriam. Leaders like the spies who went into the nation. And by the way, they weren't just spies. They were leaders of each tribe that went in to explore the land of Canaan. And maybe you know the story. Ten of them came back. And what did they do? Gave a bad report. Two of them didn't, Caleb and Joshua. Not only did they um, not speak for truth and for God and have faith, they spread those rumors throughout the, the nation and they revolted. Then there were three Levites, Korath, Dathan, and Abiram. Maybe you're familiar with that story too. Who struggled against truth. You know, God had a little word with Moses on each occasion. And he said, this is not about you. This is about me. They're not, they're not revolting against you. They're revolting against me. And we think about spiritual warfare. And we think about the battles that we face as individuals. And the things that come into our lives, come into our, our, our church, come into our nation. It's about spiritual warfare. It's very real, and so God needs us to be. And I shared at the start that there were two things that I hope that God would reveal to you or that you could see in that passage and in the truth, and as we unpacked it and looked at it, and and those two sentences that I read, both the same in verse 10 and verse 12, the Lord brought about a great victory, that there would be two things as you celebrate on this 4th of July weekend. And indeed, I hope and trust for the rest of your life as a citizen of the United States of America, but greater yet, I hope and trust a citizen of heaven. Two things. One is that you'd be incredibly grateful. That you'd be grateful to God for who it is that he has been and that he promises to be in your heart and in your life, in your families in your church, and in your country. Be grateful to God. You know, again, short-sighted. We think about all different kinds of things, don't we, for the things that we enjoy and the blessings that we have. It all comes from God. And then to be people who are seeking. You know, we read about individual acts of Heroism. One of the things that I wonder about in terms of our country is how long will God put up with our insolence? I'm just being honest, brutally honest with you this morning. How long will God tolerate the sin of our country? I don't know. I wonder about that. But then there's something else that I wonder about. And I do it in first person and I do it in third person. I think about who is it that God will raise up Who is it? Who is it that will be Eliezer? 
Who is it that will be Oscar Romero or Martin Luther King? Who is it that will stand for truth? Who is it that will be a valiant warrior for the word of God and for truth? Who is it? Am I looking at him right now? Who is it? Who will be somebody who seeks the word of God and lives it out in their lives? There's two proverbs that I want to read for you that I know. Um, one is Proverbs 21:31. Think about this for a minute. The horses made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. He's the one who brings the victory in your life. Seek him. And then this one, fear of man, it's Proverbs 29, 25. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but those who trust in the Lord will be secure. The battle's waging, and we can be afraid, or we can have faith, and we can trust in God. I don't know what that means for you. I don't know what that means for us together. I don't know what that means for our country in terms of what it is and how Satan will bring it. But I do know, and this is going to be a, a series that we're going to engage in in two weeks, faith over fear. I know who God is. And I know the promises that he gives to each one of us. I don't know what you're heading again. I'm going to end with this. I don't know what you have going on in your life right now. I know what you're battling personally. I don't know what's going on in your families. I don't know what's going on in your homes. I don't know what's going on in your schools exactly, specifically, or at work, or in your marriage, but I do know this. I do know who will bring the victory. The same one who's brought it for our nation for 246 years, for Israel. He'll do it for you. Be thankful. Be seeking. Let's pray together. Lord God, you are an incredible God. We have so much to be thankful for today. I thank you that each person here made their way here. And for who it is that they are, and maybe even more so for who they'll be. I think of the young people that are going. Things that they're going to experience, the opportunities that they're going to get. And the leaders, I pray that they'll, they'll see the victories that you can bring. I thank you for the time that we have this weekend, tomorrow as well, to celebrate things that freedom brings. I pray, oh Lord, that we wouldn't be short-sighted that we'd be grateful and that we'd be seeking as a result of our gratitude and our humility to be, to be that soldier who stands firm, who fights, who prays, who lives for you and enjoys the freedoms that only you can bring into a heart and into a life by your grace, by your goodness, by your love. Might it be in your holy and precious name I pray. Amen.